itself. What a great God we have. Turn in your Bibles this morning to the same place we turned last Sunday morning, John chapter number 14. Last week I read these first six verses. Today I want you to focus in on verse number six. And then I want you to key in on just basically one word found there. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Notice that little word, way. It's a very common, very important word, and we hear it often. That would be especially true if you live in Lake Jackson, Texas. Some of you might have been there, and you know that many of their streets have the word way in them. There's circle way, there's this way, there's that way, there's any way. Can you imagine asking for directions in that place? How do I, oh, you just go down here to any way and it'll get you there. Well, the one thing they're missing is there is no God's way or heaven's way that, that I know of down there. But I, I can assure you one thing, it wouldn't get you there to find out heaven's way or God's way you have to look in the Bible and that's exactly what our text is all about it has to do with our Lord's answer to questions by Thomas and that was an interesting exchange going on between the two of them because Jesus had just said in verse 2 and 3 that he was going to leave but that he would return And then to assure them, he said, Whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. But Thomas replied, We know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Whenever I read this, you know, I'm thinking, What? Does he or doesn't he know the way. Jesus said he did. He said that he didn't. So who is right? Well, since Jesus is always right, I, I have to conclude that Thomas didn't know what he knew. In other words, he had the answer, but he wasn't really aware of it. And maybe you're wondering, well, how in the world is that even possible? Well, here's the answer. Christ had given them the information, but it had not yet registered with them. And no doubt the emotion of this experience had clouded their mind. And when I think of that, it's noteworthy that Jesus was so kind, so tender, so gentle in dealing with him you know he could have said well you knucklehead haven't you been listening to what i said i mean when are you going to wake up man i what's wrong with you but there was none of that jesus just graciously explained by reinforcing what he had already told them earlier perhaps perhaps in different words but basically the same thing and it's almost like a parent explaining something to a child just stop and think son and just you know it you you know the answer just stop and think because that's something you know 
Well, maybe you're wondering, well, how is it that Thomas could be so confused about this? And and I, I really, I, I think it's a really easy to answer that. You've got to remember that he has lived for years under a cloud of confusion. And although he had heard the truth from the Lord, and although no doubt he could have repeated some of the very words Jesus had spoken, uh, yet he, he didn't grasp the details of it. You see, they had been taught that when the Messiah comes, the Messiah is going to set up his earthly kingdom. That's what they've been looking forward to. The Messiah is going to come and liberate us from Roman bondage. Finally, we'll be out from under the iron heel of their authority. We'll be able to live in this glorious kingdom. And Jesus comes and says, wait. He said, I'm going to Jerusalem and suffer many things. I'm going to be crucified. And and they just stopped listening, I think, at that point. And Peter took a hold of him and said, not so, Lord. They really didn't listen whenever he told them that he would rise again. They just kind of tuned him out because that's not really what they wanted to hear. So even though Thomas and the others have this information, and Jesus has said, I'm going away, but I'm going to come back. No doubt Thomas is thinking, when? Or he's thinking, well, what then? Or he's thinking about, what about the kingdom? Or maybe he's thinking, what are we supposed to do until you get back? You know, even so, sometimes we know more than we think that we do. And that's why it's so very important that we pay attention and meditate on God's Word. I, I, I can't explain to you what was going on in their mind, but it's clear that they did not have a proper understanding of this matter. The question is, do you? Because when it comes to this subject, it's something that we can't afford to be wrong about the way the way Jesus said I am the way the word way supposes two points it can be from which or to which the way from something the way to something and the problem with man is that he He's never where he wants to be or needs to be, at least not for very long. And as he moves from one point to another in life, he never finds the satisfaction that he's longing for. It always ends in disappointment, and the search for satisfaction continues, well, just like it did with Solomon. Always looking for a way. It might be he's looking for a way out of something, a way in, a way through, a way over. And that's why religion is so very popular because it comes along with the promise. So, you know, this will get you out of something or this will get you into something. This is going to make life better for you. But it always ends in failure. I say that because man has a twofold problem. First, he seeks to solve problems that are secondary to his greatest problem. You know, he wants to solve the problem, but there is a greater problem looming over his life that, you know, that has to be fixed before the secondary problem can be fixed. Secondly, man is always looking in the wrong place for the answer. 
people searching for a way out of their marital problems, perhaps. Or it might be emotional problems, a drinking problem, a drug problem, or whatever it is, when their greatest problem is spiritual. And so they try all sorts of plans and all kinds of programs, but they're all in vain because, you know, they want out of their problem when their greatest need is spiritual, and only Christ can meet that need. Salvation touches every area of our life in some way or another. And when Jesus says here, I am the way, we could say, well, he is the way from sin. Isn't that great? The way from sin. He's the way. He's the way from judgment. He's the way out of fear. He's the way through sorrow. We could say he's the way to righteousness, the way to joy, the way to peace, the way to uh, you know, to heaven, and, and all of those things would be true. But whenever you, whenever you look here at these first five verses, it becomes obvious that in keeping with the context, the point that Jesus is making is that he is the way to the Father. Amen. And so when we come to the, to the Father and we maintain a proper relationship with him, then all of those other things that I've just mentioned, all of those will follow. All of those secondary issues, their needs will be met, but only as the primary need is met, and that is us getting some way to the Father, and there's only one way. Keep in mind that Jesus is not just a means whereby you can be, be delivered from some destructive habit or some some awful sin. He's not just a way that you can get through your fears, not just a way that you can be made happy. If that's all you're looking for, you're on the wrong track. He's the way to the Father, and that's what you need because it's there we find the answers to our problems. The sad thing is... Most people just want to be delivered from some sin or some situation, but they don't want to be reconciled to God. They have no concern about that at all. They're not interested in living under God's authority. They're just interested in solving this problem so I can get back to, you know, the let's eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we might all die, so let's just live it up while we can. Oh, they pray and they beg and they plead, God, please deliver me from this situation or this sin. Uh, put my marriage back together. Bring my children back home or whatever the problem is, but they're really not interested in Christ being the Lord of their life. We'll never find the answer to our questions and problems until we have a right relationship with God. So let's think about Jesus being the way. Man's reason for coming to God. Why? And that look, that's the question there'll be some folks that would ask you. Why? Why do I need to restrict myself to the, you know, to the rules and the regulations of, 
in their mind, an old, outdated book that's really not pertinent to my situation. Why, why should I do that? Why should I make great sacrifices in my life for the welfare of others when nobody's looking out after me? Man, I got up early, worked hard, stayed up late. I made it on my own. And they don't see their need of God because they feel that they're self-sufficient. And consequently, they have in their mind no reason to come to God maybe they're young strong and healthy and rich and everything's going their way well why why turn to God well there's reason for it number one because it's declared in the Bible it's declared in the Bible that man must and needs to turn to God. When Adam sinned, it separated him from God. And every descendant of Adam has exactly the same problem. And the Bible describes him as, as a sinner, as a stranger. It speaks about us being far off, having no hope without God. And Jesus comes along and says, I'm the way. I'm the way, I'm the way to everlasting life because that had been closed when Adam sinned. It's really interesting that the greatness of our God, and he knew that whenever he blocked the way, as it were, to a perpetual existence there after Adam's sin, that man could have gone on living, as it were, in his sin without any hope of ever being rescued from it. God blocked that way and God, you might say, made it impossible for a man to really live without Him. Because we were designed to, to live in, in connection with God. Death is separation. And He says, Adam, in the day that you eat thereof, you're going to die. And when Adam ate of the forbidden fruit, he died. His spirit was separated from God and Jesus is now saying, look, I am the way. I am the way to recover all that sin had lost. It's declared in the Bible, but it's also demonstrated by behavior. Look around at the world that we live in, and it's obvious that something is terribly wrong. I mean, surely this is not the way that it was meant to be. The Bible describes very clearly what's wrong. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone what, to his own way. We have turned away from God to our own way, pursuing only our self-interest, living only to please ourselves when our purpose in life is not to gratify the flesh but to glorify God. And so regardless of how hard we try to solve our problems, until we come to God, there's no hope. That ought to be reason enough for anyone to turn to God because we were designed to live. In harmony, in union with God. Not only... Not only is there the reason for it, but there's a responsibility of it. 
we not only have this personal need to be reconciled to God, but we have a moral obligation to come to Him. In Acts chapter 17, verse 30, it says, God commandeth all men everywhere to repent. At the end of the service, we have a time that we call the invitation. We invite people that are without Christ to come to Christ, to receive Him as their Lord and Savior. The Bible offers many invitations. Again and again, Jesus standing at the door knocking and wanting us to allow Him interest into our life. Liken salvation to a glorious banquet to which we are invited. So it speaks of it as an invitation, but it's a whole lot more than that. It is a command. He commandeth that all men everywhere repent. And if you're here today and you've never received Christ as your Savior, and you might be thinking, well, I'm not a Christian, but I'm surely not as bad as I could be. I'm not as bad as so-and-so is. Like my daddy said back before he got saved, daddy would say to me, he said, son, I'm, I'm just as good as those people down there at the church. And the fact of the matter is, he was better than a lot of them. You might not be as bad as you can be, but you are as bad off as you could be without the Lord Jesus Christ. Until that moment that you come to Christ and receive Him as your Lord and Savior, you are a rebel against God. You're living in rebellion against Him every day of your life. What an awful sin that is. To be in rebellion against the highest authority in all of the universe. And that describes every single Christ rejecter. If you're here today thinking, well, it just doesn't seem fair that God would send some people to hell. You don't understand just how sinful man is. And you don't understand just how holy God is. And to think... That sinful man would rebel against God who is holy is awful beyond description and worthy of the damnation that will follow. But even with this responsibility, there is a reluctance on the part of man to come to God and we don't hear much about that, do we? Some way we've got this idea that everybody is seeking for God. They're looking for Him. They just can't find Him. So they go to this religion and that religion. I mean, they're not looking for God. The Bible says there's no man that seeks after God. They're not looking for God. They're looking for satisfaction and they're too stupid to realize that the satisfaction they're looking for can only be found in God. But they're not looking for God. Man would never come to God were it not for the fact that God is at work in this world drawing man. That's why the preaching of the cross is so very important. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. And when you hear a preacher or a Sunday school teacher, grandma or grandpa or someone else begin to speak about the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, please understand that has a drawing power in and of itself that needs no explanation. It needs no embellishment whatsoever. Just the plain, simple truth that Jesus died for our sins. 
That's the power of God unto salvation. It's through God's Word, the, the, the truth that we receive, and it's through the drawing power of the Holy Spirit. Because without divine assistance, none of us would have ever come to God. No one. Sometimes I think we preachers have the mistaken idea that if we, just, if we can just preach a message that is good enough, Oh, I mean, we're on top of our game. You know, we've got all just the right illustrations and we inject it with a little humor and, you know, we, uh, we let ourselves get real emotional. If we just do it the right way, boy, they won't be able to resist that. What fools we are. What fools we are. It's God that draws. It's God God that reveals the truth that man so desperately needs. He made it possible for us to be accepted. Think about that. Ephesians 1, 6 says, He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. In Christ we find acceptance with God. Jesus says, I am the way. That's man's road to God. This is God's provision for man's greatest need. He's the means whereby we can come to God. He says, I am the way. He's the only way. Our text is clear that He is the way, not a way, like there's many. All roads might lead to Rome, but all roads don't lead to heaven. There's none of the name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved. There's only one mediator between God and man, and that's the man Christ Jesus. He is the only way. He's the free way. We talk about salvation being free, and indeed it is to us, but it was a very costly thing for God. God gave His own dear Son. He gave heaven's best for the very worst. He gave His Son, and His Son gave His life. It cost Him, you might say, everything, but it cost us nothing because it is a, a gift from God. It's a free way. It's a, it's a way for everyone. Whosoever will may come. Doesn't make any difference who you are, what you've done. You can come. There is a way. He is the way for everyone who receives Him. When I say He's the way, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that He is a way like a signpost that is pointing us in the right direction. He's much more than that. He's like, he's like the Good Shepherd. The good shepherd who takes up the lost sheep into his arms and carries that sheep to safety. Jesus didn't say, I know the way. He said, I am the way. Jesus, now think about this. Jesus is God's way to God. Now remember... This same gospel book that we've been reading from begins by saying in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Christ 
is God. He is not only the direction, and He's not only the door you go through, He's the destination. The direction, the door, the destination. In other words, Jesus is the way to Jesus. There's only one way to salvation, thank God, but there's no way from it. Because when you go to Jesus, you get Jesus. And you got all that you need. Maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking to yourself, well, I've already trusted Christ as my Savior. This message has nothing for me. Are you kidding? Jesus said that I am come that they might have life. That's salvation. He didn't need to come to bring physical life. They were living. So I'm come that they might have life. But then he added and have life more abundant. Have you ever thought about all of the, all of the beautiful benefits of the believer? You see, salvation includes a whole lot more than just getting to heaven. When we get to Jesus, we find in Him the way to the help that we need. I'm so glad He didn't leave me out here in the honky-tonks in the bar rooms. Thank God He gave me the help. He gave my kids a new daddy, my wife a new husband. He's the way... Not only to heaven, but to help. He's the way to hope. Isn't hope a wonderful thing to know that now I've got hope in this world? He's the way to holiness. That leads to what? Happiness. So many times people, you know, they're looking for something that will make them happy. Let me tell you, Jesus will do better than that. He'll give you joy unspeakable and full of glory. How about that? That's better than happiness because it doesn't depend upon happenings. It's unspeakable. It's full of glory. And it comes as a result of us, you know, not finally finding the happiness we've been looking for because we never find it by hunting for it. I I don't think it's one person here today that has just concluded, you know, it's my goal in life to be as unhappy as I can. You, you want to be happy, right? Not anything wrong with that. But the only way we'll ever find it is through the holiness of living a life that is the result of submitting ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And it's, it's not about us changing. Somebody says, boy, I'll tell you, I've really, I've really changed a lot since I got saved. Yeah. Been a big difference. But the changes were not so much changes you and I made, but changes that He makes yeah. in our life. It's what He does. He changes us. Thank God for that. I don't know about you, but I sure needed a change. So when we talk about Jesus being the way, yes, He's the way to the Father. He's the way to heaven. But by virtue of that relationship, He becomes the way to 
all of those other things that you're searching for in life. And those that are unsaved, they can never have these benefits of a believer. It's impossible. They can have a counterfeit that religion provides, but they'll never have those wonderful benefits of being a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Will you come to him this morning? Let's pray. Father, how we thank you, Lord, for loving us to such a great degree that you were willing to step down from heaven's glory to come to this old sin-cursed earth and walk the dusty trails of Galilee and allow yourself to be nailed to the old rugged cross and suffer on our behalf and provide for us a way, a way to the God who created us. Lord, we're so thankful for that. And I pray this morning for every man, woman, boy, and girl, every person here that's a stranger to your saving grace that today, that they might lay aside, as it were, their pride and that they might come to you and be saved. Lord, I pray you'll remove every hindrance and break down every barrier. Help us to not think about where we're going. Help us to not think about what we're going to do, but to focus on this moment. And may your Holy Spirit bring conviction to our hearts today. In Jesus' precious name, amen.